This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. Greetings all. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Thank you for joining me again. This week, we have a guest that goes by the name Sasha Dunnable. You think I would learn its name, but I never do. I always forget. I just know him as Sasha. He is the guitarist, lead vocalist of a band called Intranaut, and more on him in a minute. Got a lot of random stuff I want to get out of the way, talk to you guys about before we talk to Sasha. First and foremost, there is a musical compilation that is out right now that I am very, very excited to tell you about. Basically, I I work part-time for a label called No Sleep Records. Some of you may have heard of it. Some of you probably have no idea what it is. Regardless, the owner slash one of my best friends, Chris Hansen, his mother recently passed away. He incurred a lot of costs in regards to, because there's so much stuff that you honestly don't consider when someone passes away. The logistics of it, which sounds so cold and businesslike and harsh, but it's true. So it's like, you know, stuff getting stuck in probate, like property and anyways. Needless to say, there's a lot of unexpected bills and stuff that Chris has to take on because he has no siblings. His father is not around because he passed away. And so Chris is having to shoulder a lot of this burden. Anyway, so what he did is he put together a really cool compilation on No Sleep Records with bands like Balance of Composure, A Lot of Dispute. Basically, everybody who's cool in independent music currently probably has contributed something to this compilation. And there's a ton of previous guests that have contributed to this compilation as well. So just go to nosleeprecords.com or Google a comp for mom, no sleep records, something like that. Uh, there's only, it's super, super limited vinyl, and there's also digital downloads. But I just I wanted to get that word out there because, I mean, the vinyl's almost sold out, but it's just it, it's a cause that I personally obviously believe in. It's not even a cause. It's just basically helping people out. And when I say people, it's like our community. We have to stick close together regardless of musical factions and like, oh, I don't like that band or I don't like that label. When a person has dedicated their lives to being creative and putting something out there and putting themselves out there, such as my friend Chris has done with his label, No Sleep, you want to give back. NoSleepRecords.com, pick up that comp. I've also been thinking of doing a segment or I don't know if it's like a monthly show or once every two or three months because a lot of people email me in regards to sort of like music industry questions and chatter. Honestly, there's a lot of other podcasts that are doing that right now. A lot of friends are talking about, you know, really deep dive into music industry stuff. And it just got me thinking where it's like, I've done this for most of my adult and teenage life in regards to either being in a band or working at a record label. Like, honestly, the only thing I can't give you any sort of advice on is college radio. I don't know anything about that. But most other avenues of the music industry, I have some experience with. So anyways, I don't know. You tell me. If you think this is an interesting idea, like every couple months, 
where it's just like, all right, I'll, here's like a little 20 minute bonus episode about this particular thing, whether it's like how to tour properly or whatever. It's like, I, I don't even want to make it sound like a, some sort of advice column because, you know, I by no means am a definitive source for a lot of this stuff, but I just feel that sharing the experiences that I have had uh, helps. I mean, because that's the, that's the only way that I learn stuff is by looking at other people and being like, what'd you do? Oh, oh, you screwed up that. Okay, cool. I'm going to see if I cannot do that. So anyways, just putting it out there. If you like the idea, email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter, 100wordspodcast. And uh, yeah, interact that way. People have donated and that is absolutely incredible. I want to give a special shout out to my dude, Troy Kenny. He came along not too long ago. Like maybe about three or four months ago, he started listening to the show, super into it, and he decided to be a monthly contributor, and I cannot thank him enough. Your package is on the way, my friend, and thank you. If you want to donate to the show, visit the podcast, 100wordspodcast.com. On the right side, you'll see a donate button because, I mean, this thing's for free for you. It costs me money to produce. I know every podcast tells you that, and I get it. It's a reality, but, you know, I, I pay Tom, our producer out of my own pocket because I believe he does amazing work. If you want to help make that easier for me and ultimately improve the show, because what I want to do is I want to turn this into its own self-sustaining thing where it's like, hey, that would be rad if I flew out to Chicago for a few days and just kind of made the rounds, did a bunch of interviews. Like that would be so much fun. And I know that I would get great content out of it. So anyways, I'm spiraling off. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. You can also review the show on iTunes. That makes the show cooler and more appealing to advertisers. So do that. And then, uh, yeah, so let's talk about Sasha. I've known him for a long time. I, him and I used to work together at Century Media Records. And we also used to be label mates because Intronaut started off their musical career on a label called Goodfellow Records. And uh, Sasha's always been uh, just like this soft-spoken, really cool, laid-back dude that likes a ton of music. He's definitely not the guy that... I look at where it's like, oh yeah, he's he's the metal guy or he's the punk guy. It's like, no, he's just like a heavy music aficionado. And Intronaut is such a good band at what they do and how they've progressed from just kind of like a, I mean, I'll I'll say it, a sort of you know B-rate mastodon into this uh, their own musical entity that is Intronaut. And it's it's hard to classify them at this point. They just have so many different textures and such a good band. If you like heavy music, you should probably check out Intronaut. Anyways. Here's my discussion with Sasha. We hung out over Skype one morning, and uh, yeah, here's here's what happened. I usually start these things off with just like my own personal kind of entry point to you. When we, well, I, I was thinking, I'm like, you are the type of person where it's like. We've known each other for so long, but I would not, I would never be able to be like, oh yeah, that's right. I met Sasha in 2001. I have no, like, because I think we met each other prior to working at Century Media, right? Like together? Or was that the first like real I, interaction? I remember you from Bionic Records. Okay. That, which was definitely, I think probably before you worked there. I might've worked there already, but. Wait, you were, you were to Bionic? No, I, when, before I worked at Century, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, wait I, a minute. No. No. You, have you been following me throughout my, <laughs> my, my random jobs? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's that's where I remember you from. 
Do you find it weird when it's like when you have been doing like music stuff for so long that there are certain people where it's like they just exist? Like you're like, they've existed in my life for 15 years. I think there's so many other areas in life that it just doesn't. Uh, yeah. I, pe- like people are so able to point to like, oh, I met this guy is my high school friend or this guy is my you know friend I met in college. But I think in music, it's such a weird conglomeration of memories that you're just like, Oh yeah, these people I've just known for like half my life, and yeah. I don't know where. Like, there's a guy who works at Home Depot over by my house here that I see all the time. That was in bands that like I knew probably coming up on like 20 years ago. You know, going like seeing at like punk shows or whatever. And now he's like works at the lumber department at Home Depot, and it's always like, "Yo, what's up, dude?" <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> fucking played the PCH with you like in '97. You know. <laughs> <laughs> dude that's so yeah and then when do you would you run across a person like that in a different context like in real life you know it's yeah. always we it's always weird because you're like i'm trying to place it and then you're like oh that's right yeah we played a terrible show together in 97 <laughs> right yeah I, like i said i just find it so interesting within music how that that always kind of you know happens um and especially you because you've traveled um You've done so many random different things within music, whether that is like working at a record label, playing in a band, obviously now what you're doing with making guitars. Is it weird for for people that come up to you and have different entry points for knowing you, whether it's like, hey, I remember your first band or, hey, I, I only know you from this one thing. Is it is it weird for you to kind of be like, oh, that I, I guess I have done a lot of random stuff? Um, yeah, I don't know. They all kind of run together, I think. From like the Century Media days, I mean, I was at Century Media like six years, so like there's a lot of people from that. But then it's just like you see those people at shows, and then you like see them at shows that you play, and they come to your. I don't know, like it all kind of runs together. I think, yeah, one melting pot. They're all the same kind of person to me, it, like in my head, you know, just all like yeah. people from the music world, from the metal music world, you know. It's like there's right. not. There's a lot of those people, but just there's not a lot of variation in my mind, you know, to like separate any of them, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I, I could see that, especially it's like when you are uh, kind of drawing those distinct lines between especially musical genres where it's like, I've always found it weird, like people that don't go to shows outside the context of whatever music they kind of adhere to, whether it's like, you know, whatever, I, I, I define myself as a hardcore kid even though I'm, you know, a grown ass man and I shouldn't call myself a kid anymore. But, (laughs) but at the same time, it's like, obviously, you know, I would go to shows that don't, you know, I'm not going to a Bane show every time they come through, I can go to other things. And I find, I find it so strange where it's like people, they're like, they section that off where it's like, okay, well, this is the one style of show that I'm going to go to. Yeah. And not open themselves up. I mean, you, you strike me as the type of person that's clearly, as long as it's kind of, heavy you're 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 into it in some capacity and you've kind of filtered through scenes so to speak yeah yeah totally i've yeah i guess i've sort of explored a lot of different things i don't like define myself as one or subscribe to one sort of sub uh genre of music or scene or whatever especially especially at this point you're doing that in your 30s like come on man you can you can identify yourself as such but like if you're if that's like a primary concern in your life you are you are doing something wrong yeah open it up a little bit you know (laughs) where were you born and raised you were you raised in southern california yeah i was born in san diego actually and i lived there it's kind of a complicated uh story my uh 
my parents got divorced when I was like two or something, you know, like really young. Like I don't remember them being together. And then my mom moved to L.A. She got remarried and moved to L.A. when I was probably four or five. They just they kept the joint custody thing. So I it ended up that I went to school during the week in San Diego and would come to Los Angeles on uh, on weekends. Like high school came around and I was pretty much just in L.A. Like I went to high school in L.A. You know, I sort of identify with both cities, but I kind of think of myself as more of a Los Angeles person than a San Diego person. Yeah. Was was that by choice that you ultimately ended up going to school in L.A.? Or was that just kind of a, a, a function of the design of the family? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, like I made the decision. I, I started high school in San Diego. I went to uh, a private Catholic, like elementary and middle school, like the same oh. school for nine years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, then went to this private Catholic high school, which is kind of like the next school that you that everybody kind of went to or whatever. And I just I don't know, at some point, I just decided I wanted to come up to LA. It was just like, I think my dad moved to like this different house in San Diego is like kind of in a crappier area, Claremont, mm. which is I don't know if you know San Diego at all. But I do I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Claremont, I don't know, we lived in Pacific Beach my whole life. And then he went to Claremont. And it was just kind of, I don't know, and this new school, and I was, like, taking the bus there and just kind of not really feeling it, I think. Yo, Dad, why'd you downgrade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, it, yeah, it's hard to, like, know to know exactly what was going through my mind. But, uh, yeah, like, I would come up here. My mom lived in, like, Santa Monica. It was just like, man, this looks, like, so much nicer. It was probably more exciting up there, too. Yeah, that, yeah, that too, I guess. I don't know. It just, it was time for a change, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and especially, I mean, it sounds like obviously the, the you know, elementary school and, and junior high and all that stuff, it, you were probably cloistered in a way because it was, you know, public schools, I mean, or, you know, there's a huge distinction between private, you know, a private Catholic school and then obviously like a public high school. Um, yeah. And if you don't experience one or the other, it seems so, it seems like it makes sense just if you're saying it where it's like, oh yeah, there's a huge difference between the two, but not until you experience both is when it's like, oh my God, like this couldn't be more different. Yeah. It was, it's insane. The difference. I mean, like the, the private school thing, I mean, I don't know how all of them work, but mine was like, you're pretty much in the same, you have the same class of like 30 people, you know, some come and go or whatever, but for like nine years, you just have the same classmates, you know, for all of your schooling or whatever. And then like, I come to public school up in LA to a school where there's like 4,000 students. It's like so different, you know, like, right. I mean, public school in LA coming from private, small Catholic school in San Diego, like night and day. Did you, uh, d- did you struggle with the, uh, the, the, the assimilation within that? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I think it was all right. I kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, I probably preferred the bigger public school. You could be like more anonymous probably, you know, and like, it's more real world, you know, it's like really like prepping you for the real world. Whereas like, if you're at some small school, I don't know if you're really getting that as much, you know? No, for sure. I mean, I definitely, I, I went through private schools my entire life, mostly due to my mom just wanting to keep me at a, you know, the, she was a teacher herself. So she was always like small class sizes were, were of vital importance to her. But I, I was, I was on the flip side in regards to like, I looked at my friends that went to public high schools and like, they fucking hated it. And I was like, dude, I love my high school. Like I like, <laughs> but at the same time it was because I was also, you know, it's like once you start to kind of like play in bands and see the world that way, 
you don't feel like you're, um, you know, missing out, like you're saying on that sort of like real world experience where you feel like you're just kind of in your, oh yeah, I got my 10 people and this is kind of what I do at this school and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Were you, were your parents, uh, were your parents musical at all? No, not really at all. My dad like owned records and I mean, nothing huge, you know, what, there was no like really ultra musical people in my family at all. Um, mm -hmm. Very casual music listeners, definitely no music players, you know? Right. Yeah. What did, uh, what did they do for uh, work? Well, my dad kind of did a lot of things. He ended up working for the city of San Diego. He's retired now. But before that, he did, he owned a few, like a small chain of one hour photos, <laughs> like one hour oh, photo yeah. jobs, you know? Remember those? Sure. I do remember those. Yeah, yeah. Totally irrelevant now or obsolete now, I guess. And then um, he also did like, actually, I guess this is kind of musical. He had like a, a hair, like maintenance business for like organs, like church organs, you know, like he, oh, yeah. Or like electric or any kind of organ. He could just, I guess you would fix it. So I remember like going, as a kid, we'd go to like churches, you know, it'd be like two days of going to like 20 churches and tuning up the organ or whatever. Jobs, jobs like that are so, they, they blow my mind because it's like, not only is it such a specific, uh, you know, uh, practice and talent to do that, but yeah. then it's like, you know, essentially you, you have the corner in the market where it's like, dude, you only need one or two people that do that in like Southern California. <laughs> like, you know, there's, right. there's such a... <laughs> There's there's such this weird, you know, uh, supply and demand thing where it's like, oh, dude, we don't need a third person that repairs organs down here. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's only so many organs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just always find jobs like that. So uh, so compelling where it's just like, yeah, I think this is what I'll do. It's like, all right, go for it. Yeah, like, how did you get into that? And how did you like rise to the top of that whole, you know, <laughs> yeah. business? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What did your mom do? When I was younger, she worked like for a bank which is how she met my stepdad. But then she ended up like going back to school and she became a, uh, she's a registered dietitian. She works, still works. Or actually, I think she just quit working for the Santa Monica Malibu school district. She was like the nutrition consultant for like the school cafeterias and all that. And then she teaches at Santa Monica college also like a nutrition. Class, oh, okay. I think, or yeah. Whatever the class is called. I don't know but she teaches how to, how to be healthy. And I forget, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have two half-brothers, one from each of my parents' remarriages, like two younger half-brothers who are not brothers themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, total mixed bag family. Yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they, how much younger or older are they to you? Uh, the one from my mom's second marriage uh, is six years younger than me, so he would be... 26 uh awesome kid uh, he just uh i don't know he's like a total adventurer like he lived in like ecuador for a couple of years working for like a flower farm you know they like farm roses and like ship them to you know the u.s sure. I, just, I don't know um now he was in new york he was working at some company in malibu doing like marketing for i can't I forget the guy's name but the wolf of wall street like oh, he was yeah like, going out to dinner with that guy you know like just crazy getting some crazy shit done i'm sure <laughs> right and then my other brother uh lives in san diego he's like 10 years younger than me he's just yeah, hanging out down. yeah there's more there's more of a more of a divide there so you know there it probably gave you little time to actually develop a relationship with him yeah like when we lived together he was like a baby you know yeah and, yeah or a small child 
And so as you, as you started to go kind of through your, your high school experience, you know, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of kid did you find yourself being during that time? You know, is that when independent music started to kind of infiltrate your world or, uh, were you, a, you know, a sports dude? What did you, uh, what'd you find yourself doing? I was in sports like earlier, like I played ice hockey from age like five to probably 16 or 17. Um, oh, wow. my mom's Canadian. So like my uncle played ice hockey, like I just got into it like super early on and I just kept doing it. Um, well, you kind of, yeah, you kind of have to if you're Canadian. Yeah, everybody fucking plays hockey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I was way into that for a long time. Uh, but, like, as far as the music thing, uh, like, independent music, you know, that was probably, like, around when I moved to L.A. and, like, going to a public school, meeting other guys my age, you know, who were into, like, punk. You know, because I was, like, kind of casually into, like, some punk stuff, you know, in eighth or ninth grade, but then... Again, like being in a small school, like you know, I just didn't have that many, you know, peers really to like seek stuff out with. This is like before the internet, kind of also. Right. You know? And uh, so coming to LA, like, and meeting other kids who were into like punk, you know, then we found like record stores, and like, you know, through that you find out about shows. So I'd say like ninth or tenth grade was like big into like discovering all of that. Well, and what what was the stuff that you started to unpeel during that time? Well, I remember, let's see, what were, I mean, that was like when, like at first, you know, went from like Black Flag, you know, like Circle Jerks, that whole like old punk stuff. And then like, probably like most people, you know, we started just trying to find the next most extreme thing, you know, like, you know, bands that played faster, you know, crazier shit. Uh, and all of this you had to do just by like buying the record. You know, we'd like buy seven inches. We'd go to, it was when Headline Records, I don't know if you, do you know that story? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like brand new at this time and he was over in Westwood and we were all in like Santa Monica, like or just on the west side. So it was like we just discovered that place like skateboarding by one day. And then like all of a sudden we were just there every day, you know, spending, you know, a couple bucks on like a new seven inch or something, you know. So you just like try to find ask him for recommendations and like, you know, like the sort of more traditional punk stuff turned into like like not quite metal, like I guess more of like the power violent stuff, like that was all big, you know, then like mid late nineties, you know, like Spaz and uh, Charles Bronson and stuff like that. Yeah, just any of that stuff, like kind of all over it. I'm trying well, and you also, I, I always remember, I always remember my, and uh, uh, I, I don't really know where I got this, but there's just the economy of like you were saying a, a seven inch where it's like, oh, like I can buy that because that's like you know three fifty. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, there's like. 16 songs on here like what a, <laughs> what a what a deal it was a fucking bargain so yeah that was like that was kind of it and then you know through that you know there'd be like flyers for shows and we'd just go check out shows on the weekend like anything that was going on which in la or like southern california was kind of there was nothing really on our side of town so we'd have to like travel which would seem like a long ways back then to either like the valley or there's a lot of backyard shows in like east la like the PCH club was happening then and eventually I guess chain reaction when it was yeah. like a public storage and then chain reaction or whatever. I, l- I love how at chain reaction, they still, I think they still have in the tile there. It says PS. Like when you first walk in there, oh, really? like if you, yeah, which I'm like, that's great. They keep that. But like no one, no one that's younger than, you know, 28 knows that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> was it actually a public storage? No, like it was, it was so stupid. Cause I remember I definitely pl- like, I played there when it was a coffee shop. Like uh-huh. they it, it, probably one of the, I, I don't even know why they did this, but it was like, they had coffee tables set up like where they have the pit, you know? Yeah. So it was like, 
a foot between a coffee the coffee table and the front of the stage. So it's like there's nowhere for a person to stand. And it's like, you know, it's like I played there with like indecision. So it's like, who the fuck is gonna go to a hardcore show? Like it, it was just it was the worst setup and I mean they quickly realized that. But right. yeah, it was it was never ever a public storage, which is just like they just pulled out, out of nowhere. Yeah, and I think they quickly found out that uh I, I I if my memory serves me right, I think they got sued or cease and desist where it's like you can't name yourself that. There, yeah, because they were no... using like the logo. It was like I feel like it looked like it should have been a storage place. Right. Like uh there is a national chain of public storage places. What right. are you doing? Let's just Knock put it up off. a club and call it like Nike or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why don't you show up here? It's not, we're called Nike. I, I think there's an interesting there's an interesting nugget in there in regards to the, there was that weird time where it was like you know like you were saying backyard shows clubs. When I use the word club very loosely, like the PCH club was a prime example of like no like that should have never existed yeah. from like it, it just was a place to show up. I think the biggest thing was the fact that it was consistent. Where it's like okay. We've got enough shows going on to where people know how to get there. They know that they shouldn't park their cars in the streets. Like all these, yeah. these, these rules of engagement. But it's like, you know, it was never meant to be a place to like have as many shows as they probably did, you know? Um, yeah. It, what, I mean, what was, it was just like a room in the middle of like nowhere. Like, I don't totally. even, like what the hell was that place before it was that, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I think it was. And do you remember they had like the bathroom that was there. They had it was like yeah. there was like a pigeon farm or something that was like. Do you remember that? Behind it or something? You could actually hear like if you went to the bathroom, you could actually like hear birds like cooing, like what the pigeons. The coo- yeah, like and I don't think they were always necessarily there, but some shows it would just be like, dude, this is fucking weird. There's like, <laughs> there's bird shit in the bathroom. I don't know why. <laughs> I just remember it being really weird. There was like an oil refinery on one side, a big like truck wash, and then like. Just, like, weird ghetto, like, neighborhood right there. I mean, it, like, none of that's even there now. Like, I remember being in that area, and uh, they built, it's like a freeway, like, on-ramp now, like, that whole block. Those places that start up and, and do shows, like, if if those places last for, like, over two years, there's there's such a touchstone of, like, so many people yeah. of, the, of that, you know, three- to five-year range are just, like, oh, the PCH Club, and they have such fond memories of it, and it's, like... Well, if you actually looked, I mean, looked at it, it was a dump, clearly. Well, it was all but, about the shows that happened there. That right. had a lot of, like, really, like, legendary bands played in that little shitty-ass room. When are you when are you going to see Isis and Caven play there? And it's like, oh, to, to 150 people. It's like, yeah. are you kidding? It's ridiculous. And so you're, you know, as you started to seek out shows and start to, you know, become more active in that, did that pretty much immediately swallow you up as far as, like, you know, once you started to watch bands, did you immediately want to start one? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to start a band when I started playing guitar, which was like when I was like 10. Like I was okay. always all about playing music. But um, yeah, probably like just seeing bands doing that, like probably sort of it sort of showed me, you know, how to how it's done, I guess. You know, like you'd go to shows like that and see bands come through from like other cities or like, you know, and you just see it like oh, you, this is how bands do this. They get in a van and <laughs> drive to a city and play a show and right. have, like, shirts for sale and stuff. Kind of just showed me how done, I guess, and, like, made it seem a lot more, uh, like, a possibility, I guess. And that was probably, you know, super, I don't know, just, like, seeing a lot of bands then that, like, kind of, like, the more underground side of things, it was, like, a lot more, 
it just seemed cooler and more exciting and like more inspiring in a way to see bands like dystopia or things like that, that were like truly like great bands in like small clubs. And I don't know, it was just yeah. then like going and seeing, uh, you know, just some sort of like some bigger punk show, you know, like in Hollywood or something. I don't know. It just yeah. seemed, seemed cooler, I guess, you know? I, I totally, I did like you, you saying that really like it, it jogs some memories in me where it's like some of the most, um, you know, I guess like inspirational bands that, you know, are, are completely lost to history bands like, uh, you know, suicide nation and UNRWA and, uh, creationist crucifixion. Uh-huh. It's like th- those bands, like not only did they have an agenda, but like they were like really, really talented at what they did. Yeah. And, and it was, it, it, it it does kind of break, like it mentally breaks down that barrier. You, you know, you maybe set up in your head when you're a kid of just like, oh, like, oh, well, yeah, you're in this, you know, whatever crappy venue, and like, you know, there's like no one here, and it's like, oh no, but there's some real shit going on here. Yeah, yeah it kind of it, it all it forces you to like reckon with it as a uh, as a kid trying to understand, like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess you don't need to play at the, you know. The, the rocks you the troubadour to be like quote unquote good yeah i mean it's just much it's that much more intense i guess you know like when there's like you said like a ta- an actual like talented band doing something like pretty innovative in like a weird like place that might as well be someone's garage <laughs> yeah like it's just that much more intense and like i don't know just impressive and inspiring that really keys people onto things and that just makes you you know dedicated to it for longer than just like six months and moving on right right yeah. So what was the first band that you actually played in? Was that Anubis or was that something prior to that? Uh, no, the first band was, it was called The Dregs and it was our punk band in like ninth grade. <laughs> That's good though. I mean, we weren't very good. Like we kind of got better, you know, as we went along. I mean, it was literally like us learning how to play music, you know, <laughs> right. like our drummer who's still, you know, one of my best friends, like got his drum set and we like played a show a week later at... <laughs> Our first show at Headline Records in Westwood. That's perfect. You had, you had no business playing a show, but you yeah. did. Yeah. And it was, you know, and that's just how it went. You know, we kind of like learned how to play music together and grow into your uh, musical abilities that way. Yeah. Were you a, a Liberty Spike uh, uh, Mohawk punk rock kid? Yeah. Well, at first, definitely. You know, when you're first getting into that stuff, it's like, or at least for me, I was first getting, I was just like all about it. You know, I just loved all that, you know, the music as well as just like the whole aesthetic of like punk you know it was just fun but i don't know like after you know maybe a year or so kind of mellowed out on that it was just a lot a lot of maintenance and right and it'll look like that you know <laughs> no it's so, it's true it's like the amount of effort that it takes to be like well i don't really need to prove this to anybody anymore because yeah. people people kind of know what i'm into now yeah Did by like 15 or 16 i was like all right i don't really need to legs here <laughs> Did your, uh, how did your parents start to react when you started to get into this, like, clearly, um, you know, underground subculture stuff? It was like, oh, Sasha has, like, clearly gone off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they liked it at all. Uh, actually, no, <laughs> they, I know they didn't. Did, how did they try to prevent it? Um, or, or, did they, or did they just kind of let you go your own way, so to speak? They, I mean, they let me do what I wanted to do 
you know, more or less. But it was just a lot of like, you know, checking in. Cause I mean, it's, you know, I'm the oldest kid, you know, my mom's never had a kid before. And it's like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go. I'm 15 and I'm going to go with my friends on the bus to East L.A. and watch some bands like in a backyard over there. It's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. a great idea. Yeah. Just call me every half hour and let me know what's going on, you know, or like, you know, there was a lot of like breaking her in that kind of stuff for sure and so and so when you um i presume as you started to kind of go through school did you um because you strike me as the type of person that's always like you're you're practical in your approach in regards to the fact that i presume you never were like okay i am going to like make a living off of the band that i play in you know like that it it seems like all the stuff that you've done ever since has been kind of like oh i try to structure my life around the fact that i always want to play music and whatever that really takes i'll kind of do you know, that's actually pretty accurate because, I mean, you know, who's I'm I've yeah, I've never had any like, you know, uh, delusion about being able to actually make like a real living from playing weird heavy metal, you know, or whatever. Um, that doesn't mean I've always made the, <laughs> the smartest life decisions either, like as far as like trying to get to a place where I can like sustain myself while, you know, doing music. Right. As more a hobby. Um, <laughs> well, did you did you have like were you basically like, I'm going to finish high school and I'm just going to like get a job? Like, did you have any, you know, uh, academic aspirations? No. And like, I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't apply myself really at school. Like if school by like, you know, I'd say like 10th, 11th grade, like I just did not even care about it. Like I just hate it. I mean, I didn't like hate it. I just didn't want to be there, you know? So I didn't really, I never like had a plan. I was always kind of like sort of just, I was unwise in a lot of those uh, decisions, you know, back then. Because I just didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, like I didn't really care about anything except for like, you know, music and, um, you know, I mean, I always liked, like our family traveled a lot, you know, I was like into traveling, but I just never like saw myself doing any one particular like job or like career path or anything like that. It was always like, I just never really had any plan. So high school, I basically like almost failed out of it because I just never even went, which was just also did not go over very well at home. Right. Tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I figured it out, you know, like I ended up graduating high school and uh, like went to, you know, I went to Santa Monica College right out of high school, like having no idea what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. just sort of like going and like not doing very well, eventually just giving it up. Then I got, I think it was just like, it was while I was like, Fresh out of high school, I got an internship at uh, Metal Blade Records. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of just fell into my lap. EJ Johansson, who is now Intronauts manager, right, also owns Prosthetic Records. Was the publicist at Metal Blade at the time, and like got in touch with one of my friends somehow, just because he like saw him on the street or something like that, wearing like a metal shirt, and was just like, "If you want to like ever come intern for Metal Blade, just let me know." And like, I think for some reason he couldn't do it, and he just like hit me up and was like, "This guy needs an intern up at the Metal Label." And I was like, "That sounds awesome! Like, I'll totally do that." Right. So that was kind of cool, and I guess that was sort of the start of something because I from there ended up going to work at Century Media, just like meeting people at Century Media, got a job over there. And right. Then, worked there for six years you know right right yeah so it kind of get you like 
I, I presume you probably didn't have a thought to be like, oh, I, I need to work at a record label. It was just kind of like this mythical thing that existed before. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then it sort of like fell into my lap and I was like, that sounds really cool. I would <laughs> love to do that. I got I to gotta say yes to this. And then obviously it's like, you know, you play you played in a lot of bands prior to, you know, Intronaut that kind of, you know, I, I, from the way that I always saw you approach your bands, it was very, you know, like I said before, it was very practical. You, uh, you know, you did it. And when I say practical, as far as like, you never were, um, you, you didn't have those like grandiose expectations of what you were doing. And even still to this day, like it, when I see the fact that you're putting out a new Intronaut record, I'm just always like, oh, rat. Like, and it's not like I forget that Intronaut exists, but it's just like you guys, in my mind, it's like you're a total like working class band where it's just like, oh yeah, when we come home from tour, like, you know, we just kind of grind it out, take us, take some temp jobs, like, you know, fill in the spots where we can. And then, uh, oh, cool. Like this other cool tour opportunity comes up and here we go. I mean, there's obviously more of a plan now because you, <laughs> you have, you have experience behind it, but you know, the, that's just always like the, the perception that I've had, especially of, I mean, of you as a person for one, and then like how you've kind of always dictated your bands. Like, do you feel that, that that's an accurate portrayal? Definitely, but not because like I, you know, uh, and maybe in my head, I I knew that stuff, and I was actually being that practical. But like, I also just didn't really know how to push a band. You know, I didn't really know how to like try. You know, I, nobody ever like taught me how to do that. I never. I don't. It still blows my mind when like young kids like just have it all figured out and like they have like this plan. I, I guess that's what it is. Like, I never really had like some grand plan. You know, whether. I, not even for necessarily like being six really rich or successful playing music. Like I just didn't know how to plan this stuff out. You know. Well, yeah, it's a, a, yeah. You always struck me too. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it. You struck me too. as like a person where you uh, you're creatively engaged, but you could kind of care less about the way that the business operates. Is that true? It's not that I could care less. Okay. Because I do care, you know, I'm just not good at it. I'm just right. not a <laughs> Okay. Okay. There. And like, I still get like scolded by our manager all the time, you know, for like how lazy I am with like our merch store and stuff. It's like, I don't know. Like that's, just, I just don't think about that stuff in like a. It doesn't come natural to you. It doesn't come naturally to me. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I, I, there are, I, cause I think every band has those like that, like one or one maybe two people if you're lucky that are kind of like the the sort of brains in regards to like okay this is the way we sort of sort of structure things and then yeah. obviously you need to have the people that are clearly creatively talented and kind of you know can put us on together and do all that sort of stuff but it's like it's hard when you have too many people leaning towards one side of either le the the left or right brain you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's definitely something that internet yeah i mean i'm pro i'm the one in charge of all that shit for <laughs> So like we're just doomed from the beginning, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, and something something that I'm sure that you guys have have noticed as well throughout you know Intronaut's career. I, I I've always defined you as a band's band as well, where you you guys and this is what I define a band's band as, where it's like you guys are all cool, you're likable, you're easy to hang out with. So because of that bands want to tour with you and on top of that you're obviously like they enjoy listening to your music as well and so that affords you opportunities that like oh well you know internet may not you know sell a ton of tickets in you know these markets that we're touring to but the fact that they're cool dudes and we really like their band kind of outweighs that is that an accurate representation of where you I, guys feel like you sit in 
Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, I do honestly believe that Intronaut is probably one of the most fun bands you could ever tour with. <laughs> like, uh, like not even like just to stroke our, you know, stroke myself, but like we are like a fun group of guys. Yeah, a lot more fun than a lot of bands that we've had to tour with. <laughs> Right. Um, but it, you know, we've met a lot of fun bands. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's what we're out there to do. You know, at the end of the day, is have a good time. And uh, a lot of our opportunities have come from that too. I think you know, like um, just from us being us. Like, you know, we got tour offers from like you know the Tool tour or like Mastodon. Those were just from like you know those guys like being like, what about Intronaut? It was not like the managers sitting around going like. Yeah, well, here's what, a, here's a marketing fans, plan. Right, yeah, right. who submitted the nicest looking marketing plan for us? It was just like, no, let's get Intronaut on this shit. Like that'll be, you know, because they're rad. Right, and, and it's like, uh, yeah, and it's like stylistically, it makes sense. Like that's, you guys have definitely been able to carve like a really cool niche within that that uh, you know idea of, for lack of a better term, it's like I call it artistic metal, where it's like, oh yeah, it's not you know you know you're clearly not judas priest but you're still heavy and there's, right. there's, yeah. a, pro- there's a progression behind what you're doing yeah, um, yeah but it's 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 cool that you guys have been able to experience that because it, it i i think that some bands and because you've been able to kind of like build on your popularity it, it's cool to see where you're at now because i think some bands that fall into that sort of like bands band genre um mm-hmm. like are just completely like completely disregarded like they're just not, you know, they they no one really likes them. You know, they're just kind of like bands like them, but they never really translate to an audience anywhere. You know, and I I think you guys have kind of been able to eschew that over time, which is good. So you're not just like, oh yeah, that band's on that tour again. Fuck. Yeah, it is kind of a fluke, I will say. Like we've actually like maybe there's just been enough touring that like we have just actually like won over a, you know a modest amount of fans. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, yeah. The the fact that it's like, okay, you may not have enjoyed us the first two or three times you've seen us, but it's like, yeah. at, at some point, it'll kind of just like click and make sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've also been around ten years, you know, like and we're just now able to like go out and headline for like pretty small, you know, like nothing crazy, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's like you could play, you know, whatever, a hundred to two hundred people in in major markets, and you guys are like, that's cool, that's a good tour. We're we'll be, yeah. we're fine with that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know, like, also back to that bands band thing, you know, I feel like a lot of our fans are, it's like, it's really like a bunch of, I, and it's, I don't know how to word it, but it's like looking at a bunch of me's, you know, like five mm-hmm. years ago. It's like okay. kids who are like in bands and like really into just like the music part of it, you know, it's like, <laughs> we don't have like groupies. We just have like a 24 year old guy who comes up and wants to talk about fucking time signatures. You know right. I mean? Right. <laughs> well, no. To, yeah. And that, that actually leads perfectly to another question I was going to ask where it's like something that I find. So, um, you know, for, it, for me, just as a fan of, of the style of music that you guys play and the kind of, you know, whatever the loose genre that you guys fit in, um, is people really, really, really concentrate on, like you were saying, the musicality and like the, you know, how, how you create what you create. But I always get frustrated where it's like, there's clearly emotional context to what you guys are doing. And I feel like that totally gets overlooked. Like Uh from either what you're putting out lyrically 
what you're putting out aesthetically. I think a lot of it is just like, oh, I'm just focusing on the music and that's it. Where like clearly that's like the most important component of a band. I get it. I'm not stupid. But there's there's an emotional resonance, especially for it's like for where people like you and I have come from, where it's like, you know, like you mentioned, you see a band like Dystopia, clearly there's emotion put behind the agenda and the music they're trying to have. And I think that all gets kind of looked at the same. But whereas people just look at you guys as you're really talented at music, you know, yeah. does that like, does that, does, does that either get frustrating for you or do you ever have, you know, kind of find yourself having to back it up and be like, oh, okay, like maybe, maybe we should focus on, on, you know, not, not just solely the music, but like this other, this other contextual stuff yeah. as well. Well, I don't know. I feel like that's, it's starting to change a little bit. Like, uh, like with the last couple records, I feel like there are more people who are because they recognize that the more emotional side, you know, the emotional payoff, you know, that's there. If you like wade through the, you know, all the like musicality of what's going on, but you know, like a couple records ago and like from early on, like, yeah, it was just all about like the, you know, the technical aspect, or mostly about that, you know, that people appreciated. But, you know, now I, I think with the last records being a little bit like less just all about brutality and technicality, it's uh, attracting different kinds of people as well as like the music nerds, you know. So it's, I guess, kind of, I'm happy that anybody likes our band for whatever reason. <laughs> Well. <laughs> yeah yeah you're not gonna be yeah you're not gonna be you as a person i know you would never be frustrated at that like yeah. at the fact that a person would like your band but the uh like just i i guess what you know what you know music to be it's like you know clearly punk emotion like so much is tied up into that and it's like when it gets when it gets lost it's kind of like oh yeah well i i, I mean it's cool <laughs> you're into the band like i also sing about some cool stuff like yeah <laughs> I mean, there, and I do think there are a lot of people that come to the shows now, and especially with the kind of bands that we've played with more recently, you know, it's like a lot of people that don't really understand, like, all of that, like, where we're actually coming from, and, you know, like, the more punk side of where Intronaut comes from, you know, um, yeah. which is kind of, I don't know, not, I won't say hard to deal with, but just kind of interesting to me, and, like, interesting to, like, reflect on sometimes. Um, well, that, that that's true that's a really good point because i definitely do think that there's there's an element like i remember when i first started working at century media and coming from the background that i've come from which is obviously similar to what you came from of a metal a, a metal band is not used to doing a van tour like that's just a reality like especially if they're coming over from europe and it's like i just remember like having these conversations with bands and bands managers being like okay we need you know we need a nightliner we need a bus and it's just like dude you can draw like 75 people in the states what are you like what do you do you know how to just like kind of you know grind it out like like just yeah. do that and it's like I, I think it's interesting i'm sure you guys have had to have a lot of like push and pull in regards to the fact that you know, I'm I'm sure all of you identify you know are, are identify with the the punk ethos and the sort of DIY ethos, which doesn't necessarily always translate to a kind of more larger mainstream metal world. I I mean, it's been it's nothing like super difficult to deal with. I just like sometimes you look you're on a tour and there's like an opening band who the opening band of the tour, you know, who are getting paid shit, which sucks. It's like a completely different thing, but. But they have like a tour manager and like a sound guy and all this shit. It's like, what are you doing? You know, a guitar, like, a guitar string tech. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that yet, but yeah. yeah. I mean, like, things like that. It's like, you know, like, we didn't even bring, like, a merch person with us until, like, 2011. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just because, I don't know. Whatever. The way certain people approach it is just different than the way I always, like, understood it. And, you know, it is what it is, but it's just that sort of thing is, like, interesting to observe, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's kind of it, – it's something that is bred like – it's honestly like part of your DNA. It's like no matter what, you yourself couldn't unlearn the the feeling – like, okay, say three years from now, Intradot is at the level where Tool's at. I, I would be – I would be hard-pressed to believe that you would still – like you would feel completely comfortable being like – Oh, here's here's like my guitar and mic tech. Like you would get used to it eventually. There would still probably be that like good year learning curve where it's like, yeah, you're playing, you know, whatever, thousand to you know, thousand to fifteen hundred people, and you're like still going out there and doing your own stuff and right. like, you know, you would I think it would be hard for you to adjust immediately to that. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the natural feeling there. <laughs> right. Two last things I want to hit on before I let you go was one, the uh I mean, in almost every interview or piece of of journalism I've ever encountered with your band, everyone's always everyone's so focused on like obviously categorization, um, and that you know obviously it makes it easy for people to kind of have an entry point to what you're doing. And the you know the the continual response that I, I've seen you know from you and the band in general um, is that you know the the idea of being reductive to your music. Where it's like, well, we're, I guess we're more than just this one thing or more than these two things. Like, yeah, I guess we can kind of sound like Pelican, but there's other things that we sound like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you've learned to, uh, I guess, kind of adapt with and learn how to like answer those sort of questions? Uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like politically, so you're not like bumming anybody out to be like, yo, don't fucking call us post metal again. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, <laughs> chill out. Right. You know, I don't care anymore about Yeah. <laughs> You've worn down. Yeah, and, like, I, I honestly don't... I wouldn't even begin to, like, try to, like, you know, describe Intronaut as, like, just being one particular subgenre of music. You know, like, I don't even think about that, you know, at this point. So, whatever. People have to use those labels, you know, so that, you know, you give people an idea of what they're about to get into. And uh, so I get why all that happens, you know, but... No, I don't really. None, none of it annoys me anymore. But when, it, but when it first started to happen, I'm sure there were some gut reactions you had to where it was like, "Stop calling us that. Stop, <laughs> stop doing that." And like, not, not, not in like a dick way, because you're, you're. I, I know you to be a very nice gentleman. I, I'm sure there was still that sort of like, you know, that that immediate bile in the back of your throat where it's like, "Oh God, please stop, please stop doing that." <laughs> it's kind. Of, I mean, it's annoying when people like are really trying too hard to like figure it and like dissect all of it you know th- like that kind of gets painful to listen to i don't know sometimes when you get lumped in with certain <laughs> styles of you know popular trends or whatever that you don't necessarily love yourself that can be frustrating as well like when people lump us in with the um you know whatever you call the new like gent thing you know the right <laughs> yeah yeah sure like and i get it we tour with a lot of bands few bands that you know are sort of like in lumped in with that too um i just <laughs> i don't know no, i know i i know i i mean it, it's an impossible question to answer from that perspective but it it has to be where it's like especially because the the intention of of creation is to never um 
it, you may be a part of a quote unquote scene, but it's never like you are setting out to sound like a particular band, especially at this point in your career. When you were yeah. when you're 16 years old, all you want to do is sound like, you know, whatever, discharge, strife, like whatever your point of reference is. Yeah. But you grow out of that and then further on in your musical life and to be be like, oh, so you guys are doing that thing now. I'm sure I'm sure that that's where the reaction of just like, oh, knock it off. That's yeah. that's that's probably where it, it, it I could see it uh, where you'd actually care as opposed to just be like, oh, whatever. That's just another thing that someone's saying. But it's like, oh, we're not hopping on a trend now. Why do you think that now? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, in a lot of ways, a lot of times like, I don't even like do the interviews anymore. I think, and maybe that's why I, I, this is not like fresh in my mind, just because of like questions like that, which are really like annoying to me. You know, yeah. I just can't even like. Well, there, it, it, I mean, it's it's lazy too because it's like there. I mean, that that is like you know stock question. You know, number seven on the list of yeah. You know, oh, how do you feel like being a part of this this thing? And then you just throw a, a musical styling at him. And it's like, what, I mean, what, what is a band supposed to say? Like, oh yeah. no, like we fucking hate all those bands in that genre and stop calling us that. Yeah. You're going to sound like the worst person ever. Yeah, exactly. I start, you know, I found myself like starting to be kind of like sarcastic with like, inter- you know, just lazy interview questions like that. And like eventually just decided that it was probably better just <laughs> pass these on to somebody else in the band. You know? <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a wise, that's a wise decision. Obviously what you're doing now with your, uh, you know, your, your guitar company, was that born out of basically just you growing to know the instrument more and more, or is that something that always, you kind of always have been interested in? I was definitely not always interested in it. I mean, I just, it kind of came about again with like the whole like jobs in between tour thing, you know, like, um, I was working in restaurants a lot after I worked at Century Media, and uh, that's just like super competitive. And you know, so you go on tour, you lose your job usually um, if you're not like established somewhere. And I also just didn't like it at all. And so I kind of like had this. I've been thinking about it for a while. I was like, I need to like learn how to do something. You know, like I need to have like some kind of trade. You know, that I'm like qualified to do in life because you know I was like 28 and it's like. I never went to like college or anything. You know, I got to figure something out because like I have to like make, you know, I have to pay rent, you know? And I was just kind of like thinking about different things I could do. And like, I saw this class at MI that they have, um, you know, this like part-time short course on building stringed instruments, which was like pretty appealing. And so I decided to just go for that and started working in guitar repair shops. Mm. It's like 2009, I think. And um, so then that's how I got into all that. I mean, I kind of like knew some, you know, I knew how to like set up a guitar just, you know, out of necessity before that, I guess, from like being on tour and whatnot. But that's how I got into like doing that for a living. And so I, 2009, 2010, I started working just in different like for repair guys. Um, in LA, like all over working at different guitar stores as like the in-house repair guy, um, kind of getting my chops up, started building. I, I rented my friend Sean's garage, uh, out in Silver Lake and started like building, you know, building up the shop, like getting tools all compiled and set up and started building guitars out of there. And, uh, it kind of just took off. Um, I mean, it's not quite taken off yet to where like, 
uh, you know, I'm still like month to month with all this stuff, but, uh, but yeah, you, 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 yeah, you're trying to build something obviously for, for the future that relates to not only the music that you create, but obviously gives you the, the, you know, sustainability in which you can still be connected to something you care about. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, that's cool. I, I, I like that idea. Like, I do think that there's a lot of, especially in the digital world in which most, most people live now, where it's like, there is like, there's a lot of people that don't know how to do stuff with their hands. I mean, honestly, I, I am 100% in that category. I've never been a person like, I know how to build Legos, but I don't know how to fix <laughs> shit. Yeah. But that, that, that concept of like, I want to learn a trade is like, it, 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 there is some sense of it being like hardwired in us as, as people where it's like, I, I have to make something, whether it is making something digitally or whether it is making something like, physically there's that weird desire of just like i have to do this and and since you're since you're obviously a big uh, social media person i could easily see why you uh, wanted to uh, do something physical <laughs> <laughs> just to balance it out <laughs> yeah since i mean since you have millions of followers online it's like you might as well yeah <laughs> you've already conquered the internet so you might as well move on to guitars <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> well that's well that's cool so basically the, the concept is that you will uh like bands are just buying your guitars right now or is it like you also have just like general you know general public people buying your stuff as well it's been some both i mean i guess mostly bands i mean the way i'm trying to go at it is like i kind of have been offering them to bands that i know at like a kind of discounted rate you know bands who are going to tour i mean i guess the same kind of like uh concept that any you know bigger guitar company or any music gear company is probably going to use for like marketing which is like get your product into the hands of people who are going to be out there seen right yes yeah, yeah where people are going to be watching them use this product um so i've been offering them to like bands that i know you know like red fang the atlas moth death heaven um bands like that i've been like making them guitars at like a discounted rate and then there's been some other like general public kind of people trickling in as well. That's cool. I'm sh- I'm sure it's exciting. It's really exciting, and it's uh it's been even more exciting since I like launched this website. Like it's been really uh, had a lot of people like hitting me up. It's like offering to like help me. You know, like people at like Decibel and um, just other people in like the music business, kind of just offering advice on like marketing. Like this guy who works at Decibel, this guy Brian, who like books he does like i don't know books some ads and so i mean i'm sure he wants me to buy an ad in the in the fucking magazine but he also worked for fender for like 10 years as like the marketing guy and he just called me up the other night and like talked to me for like an hour about like how the business works and stuff and just like answered all these questions i had that's cool yeah which is like i'm like thank you that's you are awesome (laughs) like thank you very much you know yeah well I, i think that obviously goes to show where it's like you know anytime Anytime you can get depressed about the idea of like how fractured, you know, musical communities are, there's, there's still that semblance of like a person that's been involved for a long time, like it, it, that, that community grows ever closer, you know, it's like people just kind of like, you know, lift each other up and support each other because you're like, oh dude, you're kind of a lifer. You're kind of into this for a long time. Like you're not going anywhere. So why, why should we a not know each other and B, how can we help each other? Right really cool and inspiring too you know makes me just want to you know makes me want to keep doing it yeah well that's great that's awesome well i really appreciate the time sasha thanks for hanging out it's been fun yeah for sure man thank you all right there you go there is sasha hopefully you learned a little bit about him the guitar company he runs and the band 
and ultimately just the journey that we all take in this weird independent music world. So anyways, for more information on the show, visit 100wordspodcast.com. Next week will be a, this is what I like to call a little spotlight show, where there's a band that I feel needs recognition, needs your support and understanding. It's a band called Moose Blood from the UK. A person in that band will be appearing on the show next week. And the producer is Tom Richfield. And visit propertyofzack.com. And that's it. You have a spectacular day, week, whenever you're listening to this. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. Be safe, everybody. Thank you.